What's up, guys? This is Chase. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Nights podcast from Young Adults in Upper Rim, Dallas. This is the time where we gather once a month, minister to the Lord, and let Him just come and speak to us and minister back to us. So this last month, we jumped into the book of Daniel together and just begin to let the Lord author in our midst simple, significant faith. So I pray as you listen to this, let it speak to you, touch your heart deeply, let the Lord author fresh faith in you. So be blessed and join us next month. Thank you for tuning in to the Upper and Young Adults Podcast. Awesome. Let's just pray real quick. I know we just got done worshiping. We're gonna do all the spiritual stuff, amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word and your voice. I thank you, Lord, that this Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, but it's living and active. It's powerful. It's precise, Lord. It divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. So we just ask, Lord, tonight, let the word of God come and do surgery on us. Let it cut away the flesh that has been building up around our ears and our hearts. God, teach our generation to pray bold prayers concerning the word saying, let it cut me and cut me deeply. I just don't want to be moved by, I want to be moved by him in worship and who he is in the word, amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Who? God. And so we just thank you, Lord, tonight. You're just, you're not done speaking. Mm. You're not done speaking. So many verses are just coming alive in worship, like the one in Psalms where the prayers prayed that he's not like any other God. He actually has eyes that see. He actually has ears that hear. He actually has a mouth that speaks. He's always speaking. The longing of God's heart tonight is just what we've continued to do. Just someone that's willing to say, yes, just like Samuel. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Yes, Lord, I'm submitted to your presence in worship. I'm just saying yes to him. No, we just did that, but I just feel like that's what the Lord's just pulling on. Will you say yes? Will you let the Lord tonight, can, we, can he come and just, even myself included, I've just been saying, Lord, I think you wanna form such a yes in me right here in this moment that maybe the fruit of this one, yes, I'll be tasting for for eternity. If you haven't had a moment like that in God, can I tell you he wants that for you tonight? He wants you to have a yes in him that doesn't just last six months and then fade away. He wants a yes cultivated in you that when things get hard, you know what you find in the midst of that hard season? Another yes. And you know what you find five years from then? Another yes. You know what happens when it feels like everything hits the fan, so to speak, culturally? 
and it doesn't look like maybe the world that we're living in, it, all my dreams and desires are gonna get filled, but you know what? There will always be a yes. We're always gonna be going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, even in eternity. I love it, because you know what? I'm, what's gonna happen one day in eternity? I'm gonna come up to Austin, even in eternity, and I'm gonna be like, Austin, I just gave him another yes. I just saw something so different about him. You know what, I'm gonna give him a yes even in the fullness of his presence. Does that not like stir a fire on the inside of you that says, I just wanna be fully, wholeheartedly abandoned to Jesus? That he is so real that nothing, no circumstance, no situation can dictate who he is is. So just put your hand on your eyes. Here we go. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come so that we may know you better, Jesus. That's the one desire of our hearts is to know you more. Amen. If you got your Bible, can we go to the book of Daniel? That was like a collective, like, was that like a good sigh or like a, oh. Some of you are like, man, these books of the Bible. At least it's not the book of Enoch. I'm not gonna open up that can of worms, I'm just. We're gonna be in Daniel. Just wanna hop in here. Is, is Daniel from Australia in here? No, he's not. Oh. All right, we're done. No, I'm joking. No. I'll probably share that at the end tonight, just a really cool story that I feel like just confirms something that God's highlighting and God's speaking. And if I could, if I could teach you anything, it's like what I just prayed he is a God who speaks. I just, I know that we've been in these journeys and in these ebbs and flows for the past few Friday nights, past three specifically, of really it just feels like surrender to surrender to surrender, right? And I just, I've learned that you can't out ever out surrender what God has surrendered for us. And if we're cultivating lives and following Jesus that we outgrow surrender, then we will wake up one day and don't realize how subconsciously we actually growed, in, growed into a religion and a faith that is dictated on our terms. If we're not giving him more in 50 years, than we are right now, that is following Jesus. Here's a provoking verse out of the Gospels, and it doesn't ever go without excuse, and we're never dismissed from it, but Jesus says to his disciples that you would pick up your cross daily and deny yourself. That is following Jesus. It is a surrender 
and it is a yes, no matter what might be in front of me, around me, coming against me. I know he is who he says he is, and because of that, I say yes to him. And as I've been praying the past few weeks, let's just preface here, Daniel is a very interesting book of the Bible. We're not gonna get into the crazy, some of the crazy stuff that's in Daniel. We might, if you wanna come to Bible study, no, I'm joking, we're not gonna jump into Bible. I don't know, we might jump into Daniel at Bible study, we'll see, hey. But even too, this Tuesday morning, we do a Bible study, 6.15 a.m., in the overflow, and it's been awesome. We've been jumping into Philippians and God's been showing up in an incredible way. And so it was actually interesting enough, I'm trying to remember the timeline when the Lord spoke this to me. I think it was actually after a Bible study. And isn't it cool how God can speak through however he wants to speak through? It was like, you know, I have this thought and then you actually go to Instagram and God speaks through Instagram for once. I remember I was thinking, I was just, kept hearing the name Daniel. I don't know if it's because Ellie just watched so much Daniel Tiger at home. And I just kept hearing Daniel and those, the names of those Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I was just like, Lord, I've heard this story countless of times, right? You ever, that's another thing you gotta wrestle as you grow in the Lord. Just because you've heard it a thousand times doesn't mean you don't need to hear it the thousandth at one time. And it might be that thousandth in one time that you hear it, that God authors something in you. And so that was this for me a few weeks ago. It was the thousandth in one time. And God was speaking to me about Daniel and then I opened up my Instagram and Lou Ingalls just rocking the first video on my phone and I'm like, this is a word from God. <laughs> and he sits there and it's just a short little reel, you can go find it, but he's just talking about, he's not even talking, he's really essentially just praying. And he's praying a prayer over Gen Z in our generation. And it's this, that the Lord would raise up Daniel's. And I'm just sitting there listening to him, just talking about Daniel, who, da who Daniel was, what he embodied. And it led me again, just again, like that yes to yes, God's leading and his leadership. Just begin to honestly still unpacking so much within it. But God began to just kiss my heart with the simplicity of what that prayer is gonna look like when it's answered. The raising up of Daniel's. The raising up of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you're like, oh, here we go. We're gonna do the, the sermon on, he's with you in the fire, he is. And we're gonna talk about that. But I think when I look at stories of people like Daniel and these three boys, I think there's also something, a narrative that, that God wants to author in our generation is that spectacular things for God first start in simple yeses to him. You don't wake up tomorrow and just do something spectacular for God. Yes, you do, and no, you don't, right? It's that tension. I wanna say you do, because we do. Every, the reality is that his, every day is spectacular because his mercies are new every morning, and it's just 
by his breath alone that we're alive. But there's this tension of oftentimes the spectacular for God, moving culture for God, being someone that's known and marked by God starts in his birth through a place of insignificant, simple, mundane, feels like nothing type of yeses. And as I was reading Daniel, and we'll, we'll jump into it, and we'll, we're gonna read some lengthy verses. But even God was highlighting this to me through David, and I'll just, I'll ramble here for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. And then I want us to pray. I really feel like God's, God wants to author significance in every heart tonight. Can I say that? Every individual in this room, there is something significant that God wants to birth through you. But I want to also provoke you. Don't just chase after what's significant. But embrace what is simple. And embrace what seems like nothing. And watch God wake you up to that day, in that moment, in that hour where significance pours through you. And I love saying this too. Your significance is not dictated on influence, validity, recognition. It is dictated by one thing. I have faithfully said yes to him and him alone. And if it puts me before kings, great. But if it also puts me in a foreign context where my life is buried in the soil of another nation and no one knows me and no one sees me, I have said yes to him. And there we go. Your significance is actually wrapped up in this. Your yes. But we can't ever encounter being significant for him or doing something for him without God wanting to come in and say, do you see how significant you are? I think that's what provokes me about people like Papa Lou because he carries such a heart of God, even for our generation, to say dream big. And when you encounter the one, the, the, the living God, think about this, let's just zoom. I, sometimes like when I get frazzled in life, I'm like, I just need to press the zoom out button and see his hands holding the earth despite it shaking and despite its birth pains and remind myself that I've said yes to him and I'm good. But when you zoom out and you're awakened to that big God, the reality of Jesus, who you have said yes to, and you're awakened to this, that every dream that is in you, he dreamed it for you. And you can't get mad at God when dreams aren't being fulfilled when you have the revelation that he's the dreamer of your very own dreams. There's nothing within ourselves that is just ourselves and God, it is, he is in us. And he's looking for a yes. So let's read this. Can we just read some, can we read some lengthy verses? So we're gonna read all 12 chapters of Daniel. I'm, I'm gonna read it in Hebrew. 
the English version, the Greek version, and then the Hebrew. We'd be here till 1130. If you want, I don't know if we can, I didn't send the verses, but if. Grace, grace. I'm reading out of, I think, ESV. ESV. So let's just hop in and read it, amen? So it says, in the third year of the reign, if I don't, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jerusalem, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure, treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed as Phinaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. They had the ability to serve in the king's palace in whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank in three years of training for them, so at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names, and he gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested to the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and, your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? then you would endanger my head before the king. Whoa. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you in the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them, say, 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them just vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Pause there. In all visions and dreams. Not like Daniel, it means this. Daniel leaned into something that when a vision and a dream came, he had understanding for all of them. All means all. blow your mind. Now at the end of the days when he, the kings, had said that they should be brought to the chief of the eunuchs, 
brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were all in this realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Go with me to Daniel 10. I wish we had time. I would, we'll highlight some of the stories and some thoughts here. But I feel like who Daniel is, who Daniel was, those three boys, who they were, the reward was that, yeah, crazy, spectacular stuff, but listen, listen to what Daniel encounters in Daniel 10. It says, now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded up with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl and his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire and his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Sound familiar? And it says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me. They did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone, and when I saw this great vision, there was no strength left in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. And I want to hang our hats here. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understands the word that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. Well, how he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, can you say first day? that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come because of your words. There's so much here that we could really impact. I and mean, then you feel, that's what I love about the word of God. If it puts a weight on you, lean into the weight and go unpack what God's pressing on you. In short tonight and in simplicity, this is what I felt like God was wanting to author in our midst. Again, another surrender, another yes, to raising up Daniels. To give context to Daniel, there's a lot of scholars would pitch the age range of their youth actually falling within this category of who's in this room tonight, 18 to 34. And so a lot of scholars believe that it could have been they were teenagers, high schoolers or anywhere up into their youth of which youth in those contexts in those days could be anywhere from 25 and upwards. And so 
sitting there knowing this and reading this and hearing this about Daniel and about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, seeing where they're placed and the context from which they're living and the fact that they are exiles, meaning they have been exiled from everything they've known and now they're placed in a culture that is not who they are. They are going against the grain. Imagine being given a name that you don't even know yourself how to say and you're living in a world where every day feels like you're just a fish going against the current. That was these four boys, essentially, taken from everything they'd known, taken from all their comfortability and they find themselves under the hand of God in a moment saying, I'm gonna raise the four of you up above the rest. And this is what's crazy and provokes the thought in me. God didn't have to take them out of Babylon to use them. If anything, he thrusted them in to a culture and into a, a place and before men and before people where they actually, that was the avenue, that was the setting from which God wanted to move through them. And I think here's something too. Our generation is in a wrestle with Babylon, the culture, meaning we hear that, I'm not trying to get super in time revelatory where everything's Babylon, all right? <laughs> you, go, you go eat canes after service, Babylon, Babylon. That's not, that's not the goal of tonight, <laughs> going out and everything's Babylon. Here's the understanding though. We do live in culture that is ruled and dictated by other gods that aren't the one true living God. You work in it Monday through Friday, you might go to school and you're sitting in it. Well, this is a thing too that I was thinking about that also authored something in my heart of to pray for Daniels that we know not of that are in Babylonian universities. They're sitting in settings week in and week out being told narratives about their God that he's dead, not alive, not living, asking your faith to be exchanged for what is perceived to be true. They were in a university context. They were in a school context. They were young adults. And then it's like, as I begin to unpack it, it, again, like this revelation just fell of, this is why that prayer for Daniel's needs to be prayed. But not just that it would be prayed, but God would awaken our generation that we are the answer to people like what Lou was praying, our older generation, fathers and mothers, praying in this hour that we would be like Daniel that we would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, though we're placed and though we really are exiles, this understanding and this revelation to that world out there exiles us every single day. It really does. I mean, I'm not sweating it because I've been awakened to the glorious riches and inheritance which are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, you're the exile. You know what I mean? Come in to the kingdom but we are running congruent and headlong into cultural narratives in gods, in false gods. That's real. It's not just figurative. It's actually happening. And God's answer in that day is the same as what we even said with John the Baptist and the Levite and Nazareth. I think God loves authoring similar and like stories because he knows the answer and the remedy for hours in history. 
where our, our answer is a multitude of things, but I think the answer for young adults is saying yes to a life like Daniel. And I'm not just talking about a 21-day Daniel fast. That's why everybody's getting up like, oh, we're going on a fast. I'm finding me a new church. No, I'm joking. But here's one truth that God highlighted me through Daniel. It was simple. And you know what it looked like? Just standing. Just standing. Monday's awful. Standing. I got the opportunity to preach the gospel and somebody got saved. Standing. Close loved one dies and it stings because we still feel the sting of death. No, I'm gonna stand. Culture bum rushes us in this time of so many things governmentally and culturally and narratives that don't matter and it's dictating the way we think and perceive ourselves and relevance and all these things are trying to creep into the church and God's just saying, just, will you just stay standing? What amazes me about these four boys is they were bombarded daily with culture in one ear and God in the other. I have to remember that this is in my hand. I talk with my hands too much. I'm not Italian. <laughs> if you are Italian, I love Italian food. <laughs> Culture in one ear, God in the other. Could anybody say tonight, that's every day. And I've, I see it in my own life where if we're not careful, we can lean in a little bit to culture and what's relevant for the acceptance of what God's saying in this year. And we don't realize that when we do, we're actually And it's not like you wake up tomorrow fully bowing down to a false God. It's more just waking up and listening to whispers of a voice that doesn't care about you. That voice will never let you see your dreams fully fulfilled because sin is fleeting. It satisfies for a season and we want something that entertains a false dream reality and we vacate ourselves from actually being the fulfillment of God's dream through our life. And it's as simple as this. I'm standing. Stand for him. Don't just bow because your workplace is hard. Sometimes we pray things like, my answer is, I gotta get out of that. And the reality is, God's actually might say, stand in that. Because if we remove ourselves from Babylon, where is their hope? They can't hear a gospel if there's not a preacher. They can't taste 
the reality of Jesus if there's not someone standing in their midst. And I think we would think in our day and hour, God, if you really wanted to shake Babylon, go put them in the wilderness and let them be crazy, wild voices. And God said, I'm actually gonna take you and throw you into the soil of culture and like leaven over time, you begin to leaven the whole lump, your life in the mundane. But it starts here. Yes. And you don't have to be like arrogant and pompous about it. I said yes to God, buddy, back up. You know what I mean? Like, it's humble. You know what? Sometimes really, it's actually weak. It's not spectacular. You know what I think sometimes we think this has nothing to do with saying yes to God. Like this is an avenue of God's mercy. Here's the reality. God can move through men in mercy because people need to see and hear Jesus. Like in, in doing that, let it provoke you that God wants to do that with some of you being a voice, but don't limit your significance to 45 minutes in an hour of recognition. It might look like standing before a false God and not saying a word, but just staying faithful. And I wonder what Daniel thought whenever the, his three buddies, they got the fiery furnace. He's like, oh, I'm good. Here's the thing too. You might not be in the furnace but you might end up in a lion's den. And if your faith's not leading you to hard places, I almost, when I read the Bible, it's not that you're embracing hardship and suffering. That's, that's a false glory and a false shame. Our sufferings are but light afflictions. But what I'm saying is, if your faith in your yes is not leading you into seasons where that yes is being tested. He wants to test your yes, not because he's mean, but he's just wanting to maybe say, hey, did you really, you really mean it? Because I know it was, Man, it, you, I know you felt it Friday night, 8.36, and it, they sang that one line. Yes! But then three weeks and life and cares of life come and you're questioning. It's not because God's authoring that, but there's, there's this thing he, like a good dad, he'll, he'll just say, I, I got you. You're not gonna mess this up. Well, let's just see. And you know what I love about those three Hebrew boys? They didn't, it wasn't like they were standing up. Let's see what you got. You know what I mean? They just stood there. What if our warfare looked like just staying standing? No matter what, I'm just standing. 
But if, if it was me, I would be <laughs> But they were, they were tapped into another realm. And they didn't fight it. They didn't even tell the people that were wrongfully doing wrong, you're doing something wrong. They were saying, I just said yes. And if my yes puts me in a furnace, I'd rather be found faithful in the furnace than in mixture in the king's delicacies, thinking I'm being obedient to God, but I'm just not saying yes anymore. And that's that's the test. Are we gonna listen to that voice in this year or this one? And I remember God had whispered this to me a few weeks ago when I was reading this, is that our generation has a hard time knowing the fourth man in the fire because we first have not even tasted surrender yet. And we backtrack when the heat gets turned up because you know what's crazy? They turn that, they turn that joker up seven times hotter. Their faith in God provoked something in culture so much that said, that that furiates me, let's turn it up a little bit more. To the point that their own people were dying. But here's a crazy revelation too, that even whenever heat is being turned up and everybody else is fading away, sometimes God preserves you in this crazy supernatural way because he's about to show the glory of who he is through your life. And what's crazy is This king sitting on the edge of his seat sees a fourth man and says, it looks like one like that's a son of the gods. What about these three, four Hebrew boys living in Old Testament way before a lot of prophecies of even Jesus' first coming happening? What about their lives provoked Jesus so much to say, I'm gonna step into their narrative and reveal myself. Old Testament. Some of the prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill to be the Messiah, some of them weren't even in chronological order of being written yet. Yet Jesus is saying, oh, you know what? Can I sneak into that storyline a little bit early? And walk in the fire with these three boys because there's something about their faith that's provoking me to reveal myself in mercy and in kindness to a culture that detests me. But because I found three that are faithful, I'm going to use their lives as an avenue in a circumstance that doesn't seem just and it doesn't seem right and it might not seem fair. But here's the reality. Even when it's not fair, he's going to shine through you in his faithfulness. And when your knees get weak and you feel, because we all feel ourselves wanting to bow in some way, let's just be honest. He comes up, and that's why I think he talks about girding up our legs. You know what it says? That we would clothe ourselves with the armor of God and that we would stand. And what we would know all that we are to do, Stand. There's some seasons in your life, you get to the end of yourself, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've done 25 sozos, you've done this, you've done that, you've wanted six prophetic words, and sometimes it's God's mercy that you come into a corporate setting and don't get a prophetic word, because he's saying, I can teach you more in standing than I can someone laying their hands on you. And we want other people's anointings to fix what we have yet first to taste and sacrifice and surrender. 
Like there's nothing that you could receive from me. Like, yes, I wanna impart who I am into you, but there's nothing that is going to unlock the fullness of God's significance in the dream of your life in him, like himself. I love that the fourth man in the fire wasn't Daniel, it was Jesus. It would have made more sense to be like, let's throw Daniel in there too, and maybe he'll get some type of revelation. No, it was God himself in that situation. But some of us have never known God in fire because we first never known him in surrender, meaning by life or by death, by trial or by success in king's palaces and in garbage fields. This is what he said, and I'm staying faithful to it. And when you know what God said about you, you quit wrestling with what God said to everybody else. You don't have to worry about everybody else's storyline when you know what God's authored about you. And that's not being arrogant or whatever either, but I think we, we get so fixated because we, we've defined this is what it means to know God and to be faithful for God. And it honestly is just this, who can you find standing at the end of the day? Because there's gonna come a day where even the people that we look up to, it promises this, none of us are excused from this, there will be a distinguishing line of those that crumble and those that stand. And we've already seen it. And we're witnessing it. But tonight in this room, God's saying, you are here right now because that's not what I've authored for you. He wants to stir up the dream of God in you afresh to say, you know what? I wanna stand. Then you fast forward and Daniel gets his portion too. I don't know, it's like kind of like one of those weird morbid games, like how would you, what's, the, what's your worst fear of how you wanna die? Fire? Lions? It's like these Babylonians are like morbid, like yeah, let's burn them seven times hotter. You know what, I think if the other guy, we should throw him with some lions. Like where did these jokers get lions? And there, there's a whole conversation in that too. Someone thought bad about you. Could have been a lion's den. Like some of the things that we go through, I read the Bible and I get it now. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. We could say law there and do an altar call. But let's keep going. So Daniel gets a lion's den. He's there for a night. There's a whole thing about the stone being there. He comes up. I love the aftermath of this too, of both stories, the favor that they find in the midst of culture. That it, again, I love what St. Francis of Assisi once said. He says, preach the gospel and if you have to, use words meaning your words will only hold the weight to which your life is being lived. Meaning this, those boys never preached their way out of that. They never preached themselves out of the fire. If anything, they lived their lives to such a degree to staying faithful to God's word that he preached the message of their life for them. They weren't in the fire saying, God's real, God's real. He showed up and said, I'm real, I'm real, I'm real for them. And if I'm real for them, let me open your eyes to see that I wanna be real for you too. And this is what I believe. When you start living the life first, 
when you speak, it'll provoke you to share the gospel more because you actually have something to back it up. The worst thing you could do tonight is just go straight to the 7-Eleven and not first know the God of surrender before you start talking about him. And a lot of us are evangelizing about a Jesus we haven't fully known yet. And he'd rather wrestle in the honesty of you not knowing him for the sake of his mercy, not inviting people into the confusion of our Christianity so that we can know him first, so that we invite people in, they stay in the house and they're not out of it six months later. Because the worst thing we could do is invite somebody into the gospel, them know him, and then you're gone. I've seen it. We're living, this, this type of message is saying, stay in the house. I love what Corey Russell says. We're living in an hour where daddy's on the front porch saying, get in the house. It's getting dark outside. Come on, somebody. It's time to get in and stay in the truth of who he is and what he said about you. And I love that God was backing up these boys' lives. But if I could boil it down into three points, it was this. They stood for him, and then you see this undercurrent of prayer being birthed through Daniel's life. And it was like God began to show me this, this cycle of sorts where Daniel in these boys, their posture of his presence and who he was, they postured themselves of presence, saying, in our standing, we're gonna, protect, we're gonna protect the presence of who he is and what he's authoring. And in that posture, they found themselves being bent toward a place of prayer. And here's the thing too, standing's great. Keep standing, but do something when you're standing. And that's pray. Pray for you. Pray for what God's doing in the earth. Just pray. There was something else that was on my heart tonight. I was gonna title the message this, but I felt like God was wanting to speak something else. I, I really felt like it was this call of like, it's time to pray. I'm not talking about just praying about us, praying what we can receive, praying just me growing in the maturity of my own faith. I'm talking about we are living in a moment, in an hour, just like those boys, that if we don't open our window three times a day, Morning, noon, and night, Daniel did it way before we ever did. I'm gonna open my window three times a day and say, God, even though I'm being persecuted, even though I'm being immersed by culture, you've put me here not just to stand, I'm gonna stand for you and I'm gonna pray with you too. And it was in his prayers that God unlocked something. But this is what I think, can we go back to this? Daniel 10. Because this is, this is what I want to get down to. Significance and simplicity. Go to Daniel 10. Can we read that? Some of y'all might need to go get an eye exam after lighting that bad boy up. You're like, whoa! It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word, wait, Let's go down, wait. Where was I at? Daniel 10, verse seven, yes. Let's go there. It says, and I, Daniel, alone saw this vision. For the men who were with me, they did not see it. He says, I was left alone, yet I heard the sound of his words. And this was this crazy thing. 
again, here's Jesus again with Daniel. He was there in the fourth man on the fire. And then he comes to Daniel. Can, can we just zoom out again? Daniel is encountering Revelation 1, 2, 3, and 4 before ever John was ever born. You read Daniel 10. You know what's happening right there? I fell to my face as though I was one that was dead. Go parallel those passages. They're synonymous, almost in a scary way, to the point that Daniel falls asleep. John dies. I'm like, I'd rather fall asleep, but that's just me. And Daniel then has this God-marking moment. Like he's seeing all these visions, all these things are happening that are being unlocked through him in prayer, but the end of it is the reward of it. You know what, why I feel like God's wanting to raise up Daniels? Yes, it's to stand in the midst of culture. Yes, it's to pray for our generation in this hour. But more than anything, it's to see him. To see him. Because there's nothing to stand for and there's nothing to pray for if we don't see him. We're just doing stuff without seeing him. In Daniel's life, his yes, his no's, his lying in the lion's den, you know what it provoked God to say? I'm gonna come a little early and reveal myself to you. Can I just say that God is wanting to do that in our generation? He's wanting to birth a sneak peek in the body of Christ so that we so grow familiar, not in a bad way, to who he is. It's like I've said weeks before. It's so that we're not shocked when we actually do see him. He wants you to see him now, tonight, in the midst of thinking, I've not done it. It doesn't matter. Here, let's go back to simplicity. Let's read this. This is what, oh, Jesus, it, oh, it moves me. He said to me, same thing, do not fear. Daniel, for from the first day, say that, first day. I'm about to light a fire. It wasn't on the last day. It wasn't after his fast. It was his yes. It was his yes. It was his simple yes that said, God, I know you're putting me here. I don't know what to do. He's not even thinking about visions. He's not thinking about seeing the four beasts. We didn't even touch that tonight. He's not talking about the end times. Like Daniel got the blueprint of the end times way before. He's not, he's like, I don't know what to do, but I'll just say yes. And you know what Jesus, God did? Stood up, I believe, he himself stood up, because this is the thing, when you see that he's standing for you, and he's praying for you, and he said yes for you, you can reciprocate it back because you've seen the one that is standing for you. Because Jesus stood first, and fully. Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he did not cry out, but he surrendered his will, and he didn't bow. And better yet, whenever he was in his furnace and on his cross, he prayed for you. Oh, and he prayed for you so that he could see you. Is it starting to make sense? Can you feel the wave of significance 
flowing through this room. You're not just living a little Christian life this big. He did it for all of us. And that's what these four boys were tapping into before the time ever came. We're seeing him. We're seeing that he's standing for us. He's praying for us and he's seeing us. I'm gonna reciprocate the same back. And you know what happens? God shows up in their storyline. Because this is the greatest thing that we could ever take away from our lives. Not God, not us being recognized for our spectacular things that we did for God, but Jesus showing up in the midst of what we said yes to. Then when people Think of our lives at the end of the day. They could say, I saw the fourth man in his fire. I saw the God that was with him in his pit. It's not the spectacular. I'm not talking about platforms raising the dead. I saw him stand whenever everything said, bow down, give up, curse God, and die. Stand, pray, see him. Here's the thing, though. The first day, the first day, God wants to set some of you free that you're waiting for five years and God's just saying, say yes. I'm not talking about you getting good at this. I'm not talking about you developing your speaking, gifting, and ability and all those things that you think you have to have in order to say yes. Just say yes. Say yes when it's hard. Say yes when your lips are quivering. Say yes when you feel everybody's thoughts about you mattering the most. Just say yes. And when you say yes, God will, God will so reveal himself to say, I'm moved by that yes. He's moved by it. We think that he's moved by it when we've done enough and we've prayed enough and we've fasted enough. But on the first day, the first day, I just imagine Daniel sitting there Probably like, man, this is some good food. We're not talking about crazy stuff. We're not talking about, like, I got to go before the king, and I got to give him a 25-minute prophetic word. He just said, I'm just not going to eat what everybody else is eating. Blow your mind at what moves the heart of God. It's actually the little things. It's the little things like this. Hey, God, I, I know, I don't really know what to do. It's not spectacular, but I, I might just give you cappuccinos for three weeks. God's moved by that. But until you understand that God is a God that's moved by significant little yeses, you will never give him the big spectacular ones. And it took Daniel surrendering his food before he could surrender himself to fire. Those boys, they surrendered food. In surrendering themselves for food, they didn't realize they were preparing themselves to surrender to fire. And we wanna give God everything and I believe it in our hearts that this generation will embody that prayer more than any generation that's ever been in the earth. I believe it because there's something our generation is groaning for saying, give me something real to live for. And not even just live for, put my life on the line for it. That's the Christianity that God's awakening in this hour. But it starts with the little yes. And over time, that yes already has moved his heart. And when you see that that little yes is moving it, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Not, and even this too, God in the midst of it, and I'm feeling it, and I want to give up. You don't owe me anything. I just say yes. I say yes. And he was moved 
on the first day. But I love this. Let's just close our eyes across the room. Because I love what he says, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And just hear Jesus' humility. I've come because of what you've said. Can I tell you tonight, God wants you to understand that he wants to come because of prayers you prayed 10 years ago that you forgot you prayed about. God, I wanna change the world. He stood up in that moment and he hasn't sat down. You might've forgotten those dreams. He hasn't forgotten those dreams. You might've thought, oh, mean, oh, it's not me, I can't do it. You said yes, remember? Don't forget what you said yes to. He hasn't forgotten it. He's written it down and he's watching over it and he's praying for it even though you quit praying on it. Hey, Jesus. But I love what this said about him. Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. I think the way that God wants to invite us into this tonight is again, simple. They were able to tap into surrender because they were awakened to a God who loves them. And I think if there's a wrestle within our generation, it's an idea of a God who loves us in theory that yet we've really have not allowed ourselves to taste in reality. Meaning this, that sometimes it is in the place of our great surrender, in the mystery of where is God, that we are awakened to how much he actually does love us because he comes near. And for many tonight, you're already in the fire and you feel it burning seven times hotter. but he's wanting to make you more aware of where he is than anything else. That was the reward to me. Whenever, if you could boil, yes, that's a spectacular, all the things that Daniel saw, but if I think if we could interview Daniel tonight, he'd be like, yeah, he gave me the master plan and he gave me the blueprint, but here's the thing that I love about my story, Chase. He let me see him. Jesus, let me see him. Like if he could boil down all your dreams and all the things he's gonna do through you, the spectacular, the simple, you know what the reward or everything will be? You get to see him. If I could actually put before you the times that I've seen him the most, it would probably not be in settings like this. For me, I think the place I've seen him the most would probably be in the past year of my life, which has been one of the most glorious and hard journeys I've ever went on, where God interrupted me where I was in one place and it was good and it was awesome and it was glorious and then it just happened in a moment where the Lord said, it's time for you 
to say yes to me in a way that you are ready for. Meaning, give up everything you know, all of your money, all of your assets, all of these things, and trust me. And it's hard enough to say yes when it's just one of you. And then I hear this and immediately I see a little, two little girls' faces. And I look back at God and I say, I don't really even want to, but because you said it, I'll believe it and I'll stand. But then God reminded me of when I was in high school. It's like I went on this big journey where the Lord was actually wanting to show me that your yes had a place where it was birthed. And I remember one of the first times God got me in my bed. Like he got me. You ever had those moments? It's like, all right, God, you got me. And I remember in my, I'm in my bedroom. It might not seem like a big deal, but it was the biggest deal to me. And it's my senior year. And I came home from school one day after baseball practice. And I'm just spending time with the Lord. And it was like this kind question. It wasn't like a rebuke, but he's, I just heard the Lord say, would, would you give me baseball? You ever get like sick to your stomach when God asks you something? <laughs> I remember that time I was like 17 and I was like baseball was like my girlfriend. It was like my whole world. Like, you know, I loved it. And I remember I'm sitting there and it was just another one of these prayers. I don't want to, but if you want it, I want you. I remember crying. Like, when I look back on it, I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm like, we're talking about baseball. Kind of reminds me of that movie where the girls are crying. What was that line he said? Like, this is baseball. Like, quit crying or something like that. I'm sitting there crying. And I remember the day after I walk in and I remember I quit. I gave my jerseys to my coach. And about three weeks later, one of my buddies that I've been praying for asked me if I could lead him to Jesus. And it was like at 17, I can see it now being 27, God was wanting to author a yes in me that would never stop. Because the fruit on the other side of our yes Though there's times where it's presently hard, it is honestly the journey that we are created for to say yes and never stop saying it for God. You never know what is behind that yes. You don't have to worry about all the no's when you, God has a yes. And I think we're trying to say no, 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 and you just need to say yes. So let's just close our eyes. We just say Jesus tonight. Remind us of some yeses that we've said. 
come and reveal yourself like you did to Daniel. Where you said, greatly beloved, don't be afraid. It's almost like I get to hear God whisper. You're doing good. Just keep standing. Because sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes the people that are around us that we think want us to bow. If we could actually hear the cry of their heart when they're coming against us and it's almost like I could see that king internally, he was hoping, is their God really real? And the thing that's gonna transform our generation is not our messages. It'll be the standing that precedes them. And it will be the lives that prepare the way for them. To say, it's like I, the way I see it in my mind is some of you are in some situations and circumstances where people are wanting you to bow and you're, you're feeling the temptation to because there's a genuine love and thing in your heart. But if only you knew those people crying out were actually, through their words, were actually saying, can you keep standing? Because I think if you keep standing, I might actually see that he's real. And I just, I know this is to be true of us as this house and for us as young adults, that we're gonna stand and we're gonna pray and we're gonna see him and we're just gonna keep doing it. But God wants to author significance and simplicity and encouragement tonight to say, quit thinking that it's anything more and anything less. Just keep seeing me and just keep standing for me and watch what I can do with a little yes. Jesus, tonight we invite you in. Before we go, I just, I even pray a humble prayer, Lord. I want you to get me in a fresh way the same way that you got me when I was 17. Like I, I remember there was a time in a season in my life where God was, it was almost embarrassing, but it was so sweet where the Lord was reminding me of things I said yes to when I was 12. Like little things. Like saying yes to inviting my buddy Will to church with me for the first time. I thought it was like preaching a crusade like Billy Graham. Oh, but what began to move me was little did I know that God was saying, from the first day, from the first day, there was yeses and things that you did that you don't even realize Jesus was peeking over the balcony of heaven saying, I saw it and you don't even remember it. And right here, God's coming in like a wind, a fresh wind, where he's wanting to author dreams in life and destiny and, and spectacular things through you, just like Daniel, just like the three Hebrew boys. But the way he wants to do it is by sweetly coming in and say, my beloved, how I'm moved by you. I'm so moved 
that you would give up the king's food for me. I'm so moved that you're giving up cultural relevancies for me. He's moved by us tonight. And what's gonna initiate us into doing the spectaculars, being awakened to the simplicity of this, I think almost even too, if I could wrestle with you in the word and scripture, I almost wonder if the first day was actually could have been the day that we were born. Because this is what's so provoking about the gospel. I didn't even do anything. And he said yes to me. I wasn't even cleaned up enough and he dreamed about me. I was broken and busted and disgusted. And even my own story, I attempted to take my own life. I was bowing a little bit. I was forgetting. Yet he's sitting there standing, praying for me so that I could see him. That's just what I see a lot of you need to see tonight. You need to see him before you make the stand for him and before you begin to pray for him and before you get, get, begin to see him, he wants to do it for you first. So let's just close our eyes across the room and just see the one that's standing. I love what John says. It's like I see the one that's standing amongst the seven lamps. He was standing. I love the story of Stephen because it says when he was stoned and he surrendered his life, that's one of the first instances in scripture where we see Jesus standing. He stood for a life laid down. And I just see the Lord saying, my standing for this generation, if I could just awaken them to the reality that I'm standing for them and they haven't even done anything yet, watch what I will do with them. Watch what he will do with you. For some of you, it's like I see the, the Lord authoring the dream of being a mother. And you've been so afraid. And I just think God wants to strip all this fear off of some young women in the room where you felt maybe this expectation for so many other things and it's that cultural narrative on one ear but God's authoring something in another here saying the microphone that I've put in you is your womb and your children or some of you have forgotten about those dreams and God's saying I want you to dream can we just linger here the Lord's just lingering in our midst and he's reminding people's dreams I just keep seeing different things some of you have had dreams of being up, high up in, in businesses, kind of similar to Daniel, where God's authored ideas and in, in, in inventions, things that will revolutionize history. And it's like the way I see it, it's a picture where some of you, that started in you at a young age, and it's like I see this colored construction paper and you got a marker and you're eight years old and you're dreaming and God's saying, I stood on that day. 
And some of us have been burying our dreams of what God's dreamed about us because we've created him to be a dreamer of just a one dimensional dream. And can I tell you, ministry is incredible, but it's not the only dreams that God births. God's saying, I have uniquely and beautifully and wonderfully crafted you to possess and to reveal me in the earth like no one else can. So we say yes. I feel like the invitation is simple tonight and the Lord's here so sweetly. He wants to speak to you. Just like Daniel, just like the boys in the fire. And he's gonna come in and he's gonna breathe fresh life on, on some of our prayer lives too. We're, we so encounter the Lord that is in our midst, that we, we begin to open up our windows toward, toward our Babylon, which is maybe Dallas, maybe it's a college campus. And you say, I've seen the one that sees me. And I pray, Lord, use my life as a vessel of prayer and intercession. You've placed me here for a reason. Lord, reveal yourself through me because this is the end goal. If I could boil it down, if why we're in this room, why we are in this earth, it is to see him. It is to see him and to let others see him and to make him known. But I just feel tonight all across the room, whatever you feel like you need God to author, whatever you need God to do, can we just, can we just stand? If you say like, I feel God, I feel him, I feel his like, his prodding and I feel his provoking, like he's reminding me. I feel like the Lord's just saying, just stand. Or maybe some of you feel that you've been standing but maybe you needed him to come gird you up with some fresh revelation. Can I tell you, I've, myself, I'm, I'm still on the front end of a lot of things, but in over a decade of following him, can I tell you, I've needed him to gird me up more than I think I've been good. <laughs> and I just feel this truth too tonight. There's no shame. Because so many of us, we've thrown dreams away. And if, we've, if we could see who would be the first one going to dig out the trash and going to get them, it would be him. And I can't get away from this. God authoring significant. And going back to what we said to open the night, that sometimes the way that he authors things is he authors it with a whisper. And very often the things that he authors, he answers with fire. Take the pressure off of you. Some of you think that you need to wake up tomorrow and have it all figured out. And God's just saying, I just need a yes. And like some of you, I see it almost as in a funny way. God, what do you want me to say yes to? Some say it might sound like this, just go to bed early. <laughs> Can we be honest? 
might not look like slaying Goliath tomorrow, but it look, might look like feeding sheep. I'm gonna say yes to where I am right now because I trust this yes today will prepare me for my yes tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then when you ask for more, I'll keep saying yes. And I thought that I gave everything. I'm gonna keep saying yes. And I'm gonna get to 65 years old and God in your grace and mercy, please come back before then. But I get overwhelmed sometimes where I wanna envision myself if I am to be, because I know Samantha would probably put me in a nursing home in a heartbeat. I don't know if she's in here. We always joke about that. Sometimes I slow down and I envision myself as an old man. I know I'm doing the motion for you. But sometimes it's something that provokes me and sustains me and says, God, if I can't see myself saying yes then, my hope one day if God is kind to me in his mercy that I would taste and see two generations of what saying yes to him looks like because it's our yes is not just about us you look at what those four boys initiated. God initiated a dream for a whole nation to be delivered from exile. What if your little yes could deliver an entire nation from exile? Don't just dream a little dream tonight, guys. That's what God's saying. I'm a big God. I don't dream little insignificant dreams. You are my dream. And if God said nations, I can bet you he meant it. If God said people groups, I would believe he meant it. I know it's late. If you got to go, we love you. But I feel that we're to create a space for people that need to be reminded and provoked. Just to say, Lord, even if this is what we preach every Friday night for five years, this message would be enough to keep you and to sustain you and to launch you, it's just this. Not my will, not my way, even the cup. I don't even know if I want this cup, but I say yes. I say yes. And if that's you, I know we stood, but I feel like I just wanna invite us and say that this altar is open. And I would love just to have some of our team, our ministry team here, just to pray with you. But we just say yes tonight. But I know we've been saying that like a broken record, but sometimes saying yes over and over again within yourself awakens you to who you're saying yes to. Like when, I, when we're talking about who we're saying yes to, we're talking about Jesus. The man whose eyes are like flames of fire. And I just thank you, Lord, that if we could actually see what is being birthed in this moment, Lord, we would be moved to no end. That he can take a yes 
from yesterday and sow it like seed for a hundred generations. You can trust that if you said yes, that even if something in this fallen exiled world didn't work in our perceived favor, he would still be faithful to you. Your yes met with his heart. Preaches forever. That's why the song of those that have been martyred and those that have given their life to the fullest extent. But God, I don't want to think about dying in that way if I first haven't died to myself. So Lord, whatever it looks like, we just say yes. Come on, all across the room, let's just say yes. Just for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, let's just say yes. I say yes. Lord, I've I've said yes, but I'm not done saying yes. I said yes. When I was 17, I said, I said yes when I was still struggling with, with sin. I said yes when I felt like I was on the mountaintops of destiny. And I'll say yes, just like how you taught me to say yes in the valley of decision, in the valley of the shadow of death, I say yes. Yes brand it on our hearts, author it in our minds. I wanna be and live like his dream. You're his dream, you're his desire. Just like Daniel and those boys, I dreamt this moment for you. I've dripped up this moment to be in the fire with you. Trust me in my mercy. I've not left you alone, says the Lord. But if anything, I'm gonna dream, I've dreamed this moment for you and I'm gonna redeem everything that is trying to come against you. For my glory, the fact that he would share that with us. Wow, how kind you are, God to dream about me and no one and nobody in perception. I'm not qualified. I don't have the ministry attributes. I don't have the the study or the knowledge, but you say, it doesn't matter. I've dreamed about you and all I need in response to this dream is your yes. God, stir up nations in this room tonight. Stir up evangelism in this room tonight. Stir up dreams of fatherhood and motherhood and and being immersed like leaven into culture and business and workplaces and politics and whatever it is. God, I don't care where I go, I just say yes. 
Say yes.